Good morning. My name is Ross Amato, and I am part of the pastoral team here, and I am blessed to share from God's Word with you today. Um, it's been a while since we were in Ephesians, um, but if you could please turn with me to Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15. I will say, though, it's awesome to be able to hear everyone praising God again in this room. It's amazing. So thank you. Ephesians 5, 15 through 17, Paul says, Therefore, be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise, making the most of your time, because the days are evil. So then do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Let's go ahead and open in prayer. Father, thank you again for the opportunity, Lord, to come before you this morning in person, Lord, and praise your name through song. Lord, we, uh, we just ask as we, we go to your word, Lord, that you would work on our hearts to receive what you have for us, Lord, including myself. Lord, I pray that uh, you would just continue to create in us a person who more closely resembles your son, Jesus, Lord. I thank you for Paul and the servant he was to you, Lord, for putting this down for us to look at so many years later. Lord, I also just lift up uh, Pastor Nathan and his family as they travel home. Lord, bring them back safely to us. Lord, we ask all these things in your son's name. Amen. So the phrase, therefore, as Paul loves to use, um, it signals looking back. It it signifies that we can't understand the verse that we're about to read unless we actually go back and look at those that precede it. And therefore is typically an imperative or it's a command. So a writer will give an argument or make a statement and therefore, because of that, go do this. So not only does the word therefore connect this passage to the previous one, it also connects it to the, the first three chapters of Ephesians. In chapters 1 through 3, we learn what it means to be a Christian. How we're drawn to God and what exactly we were saved from. Now Paul in chapters 4 through 6 explains how to be and how to live as a Christian. How to walk. So because it's been a while since we were in the book of Ephesians, let's just kind of take a flyover Review and a moment to refresh where we've been. Uh, Paul says, So therefore, because of what Christ has done for us, because we are blessed in Christ in, with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, because of our adoption into his family, because in him we have redemption through his blood and forgiveness of our trespasses. Because he has lavished upon us the immeasurable riches of his grace and has made known to us the mystery of his will. Because we are sealed with the Holy Spirit who is the guarantee of our inheritance. And because even though we were dead, he made us alive together with Christ because we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works and because we are to be unified 
in Christ. Paul says, therefore, because of all of that, because of all of this, we're to walk in a, worthy, in a manner worthy of the calling we have been called. To no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. We're to put off our old self with its lies and anger, futility, stealing, corrupting speech, bitterness, wrath, clamor, and slander. And we're to put on our new self, created after the likeness of God in righteousness and holiness. Not letting the sun go down on our anger, doing honest work with our hands, building one another up, being kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as Christ forgave us. Because of all this, we're to be imitators of God. We're to walk in love and walk in light, as Zach explained to us back on Mother's Day. And all of this leads us to today's passage in which Paul also commands that we are to walk in wisdom. So this morning, I'd like to focus on three points. Three points that Paul is trying to emphasize here. And those points are, to one, walk carefully. Two, make the most of our time. And three, understand the Lord's will. Paul's first point is to walk carefully. He says, therefore, be careful how you walk. Paul uses this word walk eight times in this letter to the Ephesians, and each time he's using the idea of walking as a metaphor. He never uses the verb to speak about movement by foot from one place to another. But instead, he uses it in the Hebrew sense. It's the way that you act or behave, and it's the manner in which you live. So Paul says to walk carefully, and the New King James Version uses the word circumspectly, which means accurately or exactly. It carries the idea of meticulously looking, examining and investigating something with great intensity. And this phrase, walk circumspectly, is a present imperative, it's a command. The believer is to walk in sober thought and careful diligence, not thoughtlessly or rashly, because others are watching. In a parallel verse, Colossians 4, <clears throat> 5 through 6, Paul states, Walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of your time. Let your speech always be gracious seasoned with salt so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Christians are to walk in front of outsiders in the hopes that they may see the life-altering power of the gospel. So therefore, as we walk circumspectly, we are to not walk unwisely or as fools. So what does that look like, walking foolishly? Most of our initial responses would be to say that, oh, someone who disregards God's word is a fool, or someone who doesn't believe in God is a fool. And while that's true, 
Paul is specifically speaking to believers in this passage. So how do we as believers walk foolishly? Well, one way is obviously not to trust him, not to believe him, and not to take him at his word. If we ever say to ourselves when we're making a decision that I know what the Bible says about this, but I don't think that is going to apply in this specific circumstance, we're not trusting God and we're not walking in wisdom. When we try to make a justification that our will in a decision aligns with God, God's will, but it obviously contradicts scripture, we're walking foolishly. We're walking unwisely. So Proverbs, obviously, is overflowing with examples of what a walk of a fool looks like. So if we look at Proverbs 1-7, it says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. So we, as believers, are to actively seek knowledge and understanding of God's wisdom And then not just understand it, but apply it to our lives. Proverbs 18.2 says, A fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only expressing his opinion. How often do we express our own opinions that are not necessarily rooted in Scripture and apply them to events that we see around us or circumstances we see around us, especially on social media? Proverbs 29:11 says a fool gives full vent to his anger but a wise man quietly holds it back. It's so easy for us to put on our old self and allow anger and pride to take over. Especially when we're frustrated with a circumstance, a situation or the people around us. Paul, and more importantly, God, has commanded us to put off our old self, to put off that anger. He says to be angry and do not sin. And he says to not let the sun go down on our anger. And just in case a little pride slips in when we look at those examples and say, oh, that doesn't apply to me, I, I've got those under, got those under wraps, um, Let's not forget that we are dr- what we were drawn from and what our flesh is still capable of. Titus 3, 3 says, For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. But now because we are in Christ, we can have compassion on those who are still lost. And because of this, sharing the gospel becomes that much easier. So again, Paul uses this contrast between negative and positive imperatives. He says we're not to walk in foolishness, but conversely, we're commanded to walk in wisdom. As the wise man in Proverbs 2, 1 through 5 We are to seek it out, to look for it as for silver, to cry aloud for it and to store it up within us 
We are to walk with the wise in order to become wise. It's Proverbs 13, 20. We're to surround ourselves with wise brothers and sisters to be discipled and in turn to disciple others. And I'll tell you, this is a command that's very easy to do at Country Oaks because we are blessed with a large number of very wise brothers and sisters. We are to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge, as Paul says in Colossians 2, 2 through 3. So when we talk about wisdom, what type of wisdom is Paul exactly explaining here? In the New Testament, the word for wisdom is sophoi, and it's often used to refer to the ability to understand God's will and apply it obediently. It refers basically to applying God's truth to the ability to make skillful and practical application of that truth to our lives. And it's important to emphasize here that Paul is not talking about wisdom in the Greek sense or even our modern definition with people standing around on a porch philosophizing, coming up with theories, coming up with sophistries or philosophies that doesn't have any practical application. Things that we would consider in modern terms as intellectuals. That's not the type of wisdom Paul is talking about. The Hebrews never conceived of wisdom in theory, but instead wisdom in behavior, in action, and in the way that you live. Wisdom in the Bible is not about IQ. Instead, it refers to moral discernment and reverence for God. And Paul is essentially echoing the command that he's been proclaiming throughout this entire letter. He's saying, if this is who you are, then this is how you will live. If you are a Christian, if you call yourself a follower of Christ, then this is how you will live. And he's going to continue the rest of chapter 5 and 6, giving us practical application for that. When Jesus became our Lord, we came out of foolishness and into wisdom. So we should be walking in wisdom. So therefore, we are to be careful how we walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of our time because the days are evil. The second point that Paul emphasizes is making the most of your time or redeeming your time. This idea of redeeming or redemption is from the Greek word exagorazomenoi, which literally means to buy back, to buy out of, or to redeem from. So the word picture we get here from the word choice that Paul uses is this merchant who's diligently seeking through the marketplace, trying to find the best deals because he knows that they won't always be there. They're fleeting opportunities 
Again, Paul uses the word redeem in the present tense, which in turn is a call to make it our lifestyle, our daily moment-by-moment practice. We are to walk carefully in wisdom, redeeming the time, to buy back for ourselves the strategic opportunities which God providentially places in our path before the foundations of the earth, by the way. If we are walking wisely and filled with God's spirit, we will be spiritually alert to those divine opportunities and will begin to view people and circumstances, not just as encounters or maybe even irritations or frustrations, but we will view them as opportunities to act and impact eternity. The word redeem also implies that there's a cost here. There's a cost. In order to say yes to loving God, reading his word, studying his word, discipling our families, serving one another, sharing the gospel, we have to say no to something else. When we read the phrase redeeming the time, Paul's word choice for time is also important. Instead of using the word chronos, which is where we get our concept for time, like as in a clock or a calendar, minutes and hours, here he uses the word kairos, which means seasons, eras, or time as opportunity. Whereas Kronos refers to time that will go on for eternity, Kairos refers to time as seasons. They have a beginning. They obviously have an end. He's emphasizing here that the season is short, so redeem it. Redeem that time. So to reiterate, Paul is not necessarily talking about making efficient use of our days, efficient use of our time as in, you know, we like to day plan and uh, use, use day planners and calendars, check everything off our list. In Paul's view, wise time management is far more about redemptive actions than it is getting more done in fewer hours. And this ties back to his statement about walking. This should be our life. It's the Hebrew concept of the way we live. We are called to walk a life that redeems the opportunities that God puts in front of us for his glory. Because the season for us to do so is short and the days are evil. The pioneer missionary and Bible translator Robert Moffat said, we shall have all eternity in which to celebrate our victories, but only one short hour before the sunset in which to win them. So Paul is asking believers to make the most of our time and to redeem the opportunities that God gives us. As an interesting side note, the word opportunity, it comes from the Latin ab portu, which means into port. And in ancient times before ships had motors, 
They would have to wait at sea for the right wind and tide conditions. And they had to be ready to seize that opportunity, that crucial moment when they could ride the tide safely into harbor. And the captain knew that if he missed the passing tide, the ship would have to wait for another tide to come in and the opportunity would be lost. So God gives us opportunities daily. And Paul is saying that we are to be spiritually wise and spirit-filled in order to see them and seize them. I think right now, we are definitely in the middle of an opportunity. As individuals, as a church, people are hurting are looking for hope. People are being crushed without hope. I think we need to actively be praying for opportunities to speak truth into these people's lives, to share the hope that we have in Christ and that God would give us wisdom when we see those opportunities to act. So I don't know if anyone sitting here today is amongst those who are looking for hope, looking for peace amongst all the chaos that we see. It's always been there, but it seems as it's becoming more prevalent. If you're looking for peace, the only answer is a relationship with Jesus Christ. Jesus says in Matthew that, Come to me, all who are weary, and I will give you rest. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus, today would be a fantastic day to, to call on him and make him your Lord. There's so many people here who would love to talk to you about doing that. So why are we to seize the opportunities that the Lord gives us? Because the days are evil. The days are evil and the season is short. And personally, I'm reminded of this every time we have an event that happened like back in March. I can look back on my life and see certain things that shook me from my complacency or my comfort. So being a longtime resident of Tehachapi, obviously I've seen the grocery stores, grocery store shelves empty at any sort of rumor of a snowstorm. So it's not an uncommon thing in our town, but what, what I witnessed in March definitely woke me up. I should not get so comfortable with the way that things are. Is there not a guarantee? Our security, our food supply, our 401ks, they're not guaranteed. We're a vapor, as James says. And the only place we find a guarantee, the only place we find hope and a future is in a relationship with Christ. R.C. Sproul sums it up well when he states, Christians are called to live in a context of a spiritual crisis. 
evil is rampant in the culture around us, as long as the kingdom of God is in conflict with the powers of darkness, it may be said that the days are evil. And not, not much has changed since Paul wrote this letter. It applies as much today as when he addressed it to the Ephesians, who were surrounded by sin, who had to fight off the lies and the pull of an evil culture. I don't think we need to be reminded of the wickedness and evil that's so prevalent around us. All we have to do is turn on our television or look at our computer. And it seems like things are getting worse. But as I said before, there is an anecdote to this. And we have the answer and we need to be prepared to share it. I also want to remind us that let's not forget that there's some of the evil that we're seeing still in our own hearts. And we should take stock of our own lives. I'm not sure about everyone else, but I know the last couple months, God has been gracious to point out so many things that I am still struggling with. When my circumstances move out of comfortable into uncomfortable and I have a reaction that isn't pleasing to God or when I get cynical I have the wrong attitude towards God's sovereignty he is, make, he is allowing all of this to happen so let's not forget as we watch the news or look at social media and get frustrated and cynical about what's going on in our society that we were also once capable of those things. And maybe even some of those thoughts still exist in our own hearts. And we need to remember that we still have a desperate need for Christ and for the Holy Spirit to daily renew our minds. So we are to walk carefully. We're to make the most of our time and the third and final point is we are to understand the Lord's will. So therefore, or because the days are evil, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. So usually when we talk about God's will in our life, many people will say, oh, that's like major life decisions, who to marry, where to go to school, where to live, that type of will. I'm seeking God's will or direction. But that's not necessarily what Paul is talking about here. So just as we seek wisdom, we are to have an active understanding of God's will, his moral will. Okay, so there's two types of will, his sovereign will, which is also referred to as his hidden will. As it says in Ephesians 1.11, that he works all things according to the counsel of his will. And God's will is sovereign in that he ordains all things to happen, and there's nothing outside of that that is outside of his will. So that would be his sovereign will. And God's revealed will or moral will is what Paul is talking about here. He hasn't hidden that from us. In fact, he's revealed it to us in his word, and he's given us precepts to follow this is the will that God, that Paul and God, 
is calling us to understand. And again, Paul's word choice is important. He says, understand. He doesn't just say no. And there's a huge difference. Understanding suggests using our minds to discover and then do the will of God. We are not just to know about what God's will is or what he commands us to do and what, or what his word says and then not act on it. In other words, he expects his people to be diligent in discovering what he has already revealed and after doing so, effectively apply that understanding to their lives. So how do we know what the will of God is? right here, right? We seek his word and then we live it out. And the idea of God's moral will could be an entire sermon series in itself. So if you have questions regarding God's will for your life, this is where you start. You start with his word, but also don't be afraid to seek wisdom amongst other brothers and sisters or talk to one of the pastors or elders here or your growth group leader. There, there are many people here who would love to walk alongside you with this. But for now, let me just close with a verse encouraging us to abide in God's will for our lives. And this is something we can do today. This is something we can do right now. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18 says, Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So as we go through this trial, let's count it as joy. Let's encourage one another to count it as joy. We are in for some rough times, it looks like. And we as the church have to encourage and be prepared to be the light that God is calling us to be. Because as I said earlier, that is the only answer. Let us pray for opportunities to walk in love and walk in light. And obviously, we need to be praying for the hearts of the people in this country including our own. And let's thank and praise him in every circumstance. So as we continue our walk, as we leave here today, let us walk circumspectly. Not as fools, but as in wisdom. Because the days are evil. The days are short. And let us also actively seek God's will for our own lives. Close in prayer with me, if you would, please. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, once again, Lord, thank you for laying this out for us. Lord, thank you for making your will known to us. Thank you for your servant, Paul, for encouraging us to walk in wisdom, to walk carefully. Lord, I pray for opportunities to speak truth that 
comes directly from you to others, Lord. And I pray if that's on social media, Lord, I pray that we would walk carefully and choose our words carefully, Lord. I pray that it's in person. I pray that we can look face to face with someone who is so desperately looking for the hope that only you can give. And Lord, that we can smile at them and tell them who you are and point to what you've done for them, Lord. I just lift up many of those opportunities amongst the people gathered here and watching at home, Lord, and I just thank you again for this day and to praise you and for your son Jesus. In his name we pray.